How we doing folks? Matt Weirmore once again with another episode of Fit Food Radio and this is episode number 28. I feel like we're a million miles off, like a hundred. Don't you, Kerish? Yeah, but we're nearly as many podcasts as your age. That's a bit of a landmark. Yeah, I that. <laughs> the big 2-9. Yeah, how does it feel? Oh yeah, it feels good. Is it two weeks now you've been 29? I know, yeah, I, feel, <laughs> I still feel 16. <laughs> I still feel equally as immature. I meant to say, actually, we've just been uh, an expo this weekend in Glasgow and someone did ask who was younger out the two. Um, and I said, who do you think? And we had this little joke about it. And he said, Matt looks older than you. And when I explained, no, actually, Matt's 29, I'm 34... <laughs> he was laughing. He said, "He needs to shave the beard. Time to shave the beard off." So there you go. If yeah, you but want, to be fair, you want to look younger. When I do be. shave the beard, I, I do genuinely look about sixteen. Yeah, you do don't actually. I? That's that's that's. Plus, you know, I've, I've had hard life. <laughs> it's taken his toll on me over the years. But it made me laugh because it's like he instantly thought that you would want to look younger, but men generally aren't that bothered. It's women that always want to look younger. You're not. I'm, bothered, sure, I'm, I'm sure men probably get to a certain age when they're just like, "Oh, I could do it looking a bit younger, maybe." But yeah, then, maybe. But you do look. I was about to say you look really good for your age, but that's, that's, that's probably not the way to phrase it, no. is it? Look good for an old bird. Yeah. <laughs> Glow. You do, you, you do look great, though. Oh, Just saying. <laughs> so, guys, episode number 28. Um, as you may or may not know, depending on when you listen to this podcast, I guess, uh, we've just come back from the Scottish Fitness Expo 2014, um, which was held in Glasgow. And I believe it was the first of its kind in, in Scotland, and... We we were there both presenting and exhibiting, which was which was a good experience because uh, we've been to these shows before as just general attendees or where we've helped friends out exi- uh, with with their stalls that they've been exhibiting, but we've never actually been there ourselves, have we, as an exhibitor? No, no, it's the first time. It was full on busy, but amazing because a lot of people that came down are people that know us through Facebook and from our online plans and. We never see them, so it's absolutely amazing to be able to it's have virtual a, relationships. Yeah, you're giving everyone big hugs, big bear hugs. <laughs> but it is weird because I, you know, because I, I do like a hug. Me, I'm normally straight in for the kill. Um, but it is bizarre because even though these people that you know came to speak to us, we've never physically met. I don't know, you somewhat bond with, right? You oh, know, because you work with them on the, you know, on our online plans or on our Fit Food page, whatever it may be. And some of them, I, d- I think we speak to chat online almost every day, if not every other day that are in the member zone because yeah, it's a daily just, thing just have a good old bit of interaction so yeah when you do it, it kind of feels like you already know them you know yeah, so that no that was awesome so no that was a great weekend and we were presenting as well weren't we, we were. that was good fun <laughs> that was hard especially as our, our books only arrived i think at the expo hall about four minutes before we were due on stage so we both got on stage in a right flat basically didn't we sort of sweating yeah <laughs> so it was completely uncomposed wasn't how we normally would present and actually it's quite difficult in an arena where there's so much noise going on and you're sort of having to like my voice is quiet so I was having to shout down a microphone well I think at any one time and I'm sure you know you know it was the exact same for all the others there was whilst there was someone else presenting over in the other corner whilst there was a crossfit competition going on (laughs) whilst there was a strongman competition going on it was weird because normally you know you just don't have that and you you're just quite confident that people can hear you absolutely and it allows you to relax more and have banter whereas I was sort of going you need to love the gut, <laughs> like really loud, <laughs> and it felt really unnatural. And but yeah, so I just covered the basics of digestion. I tried to give people a little bit of a um, a lesson on digestive health, and um, usually at events like that, everyone's all about sort of the training supplements. So you know, big thing for me is like actually, if you if your gut's not in in gear, then there's not much point spending money on all these 
fancy shakes branched-chain amino acids because you might not be breaking them down effectively but um... I, I always feel really bad because whenever because Keris likes me to always intro our seminars she's gonna have to plug up the courage one yeah. day she's gonna have to uh, intro herself or us whatever <laughs> obviously I know the importance of good gut health and digestion and nutrient absorption to most it's not a cool subject to talk about. No, you know, no. it doesn't get people excited. People don't like, oh, I can't wait to fix my gut next week. You know, yeah. whereas people, when they, these kind of things, as Kerry said, they might have learned a new training protocol to build muscle or a new supplement stack that's going to help them shred body fat and gain yeah, X yeah. amount of muscle mass, whatever it may be. And that's all exciting and that's cool. But as I, I always feel a bit guilty because whenever I introduce Kerry and what she's about to present, I'm like, this is really important stuff. You know, <laughs> make sure you take lots of notes. It may not sound cool. But, but you know it's seriously important and I think people get some some takeaways from it I mean even like some people think they have, they're fine in terms of digestive health but most people aren't it's just yeah. that they're used to those symptoms and not everyone sort of you know has completely obvious symptoms but most people that I work with when I ask questions like do you have a bowel movement every day they go well no but that's that's normal isn't it and I'm like no no we're supposed to have one every day so it's about sort of coaxing people to reflect a little bit and that's yeah. what I was hopefully trying to do but what was nice was just before I presented not nice but a few people did come over and say oh we we, we know fit food through Facebook we have your book but just have a few like um digestive issues that I can't resolve and I've been trying and trying and I don't have gluten and, and so it was great for me for me to be able to get up there and one thing I cover is I call it paleo setbacks because yeah. obviously we're paleo-ish so why a paleo diet might not be the solution to some of your gut issues so getting people to reflect a little bit are they eating enough vegetables do they need a little bit more starch do they and that helps with the growth of good gut bacteria do they need to cut out the paleo bacon and then as soon as i say are you snacking on too many nuts literally everyone sits up everyone just everyone starts <laughs> nodding or yeah. tapping their friend yeah, next to them like, oh, yeah. because that is what everyone seems to agree with so yeah hopefully i thought there was some takeaway messages there but it was it was quite the experience for us kind of like presenting in that kind of atmosphere and but a huge huge you mm. know to to be asked to do something like that absolutely and, I spoke a lot about kind of stress management, lifestyle factors that I like to call maxi nutrients, you know, what you do nutritionally and obviously with your daily movement training, etc. And, you know, so many people came up to our stand afterwards, didn't they? Like asking us a ton of questions. And, yeah, that was great. And that was, that was, that was really cool. Cause you, Definitely you, get people food for thought, I think, didn't it? Because you worry, I think, when, when you do a seminar and sometimes you're kind of in the room and you're like, not many people are taking notes, what's going on here? Like, did they enjoy it? Did they get anything out of it? So when... Everyone was well, not everyone, but a good chunk of the the audience did come up and speak to us afterwards. Tried to go a little bit more in depth on these subjects. That was that was a nice feeling. It was for me anyway. Yeah, definitely. After the expo, we are back in London, southeast London to be specific, yeah. in our lovely little flat in Forest Hill, which for me is huge. It's very exciting because whilst we have just had an incredible two months in Portugal. I must say, I want to add this in here, just for the record, we were working. Uh, we, we we kept getting emails from people saying, oh, I'm so sorry to bother you on holiday or, you know, like, <laughs> I hope I haven't disturbed your holiday. I think we had one day off, quite literally, in the two months we were there, um, which is all good because we, we, we choose to do that because we love what we do. And that only day off was Keris's birthday because um, I'd like planned out a day, etc. So we wasn't just there sunning ourselves, no, taking it cool. easy. Although it is quite a difference working hot sunny climate, knowing that you're going to be hitting the beach in the afternoon maybe, as opposed to being here on the South Circular. (laughs) But what's big for me is that one thing I did miss when we was away was, um, and I'm sure Kerry's won't mind me saying my kitchen because I do most of the cooking. Yeah, you do. 
I was expecting a slight little bit of a, a defence there, but nope. uh, no, she, that's one thing she can firmly agree that I did most of the, the cooking. So I'm back in my kitchen, my kitchen utensils. I know where everything is, and it's exciting times. And it means you guys are going to benefit too. She's going to get tons of new recipes. Recipe book two might well just get done a little bit quicker. Just putting it out there. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. So last episode, we done an awesome Q&A, um, episode number 27. Thank you so much for everybody that got in touch with uh, some, some really, really good questions. Um, we answered as many as we could without waffling on too much and running well over an hour. So we figured, why not do another one? Because there was still a good chunk of questions that we didn't get to answer that we, we, that we did want to because we thought that everybody would benefit from. And we've also had some new, new additions to those as well since we put it out there again. So, uh, question number one. This is from Gail Burns. Would love your views on estrogen management. I've just taken delivery of a tub of DIM, which stands for what, Keris? Go on, say it. Dindolimethanine. Dindolimethanine. Is that what it is? Dindolimethanine. Let's call it that, yeah. What is it? <laughs> Do you know what? I actually never say the pronunciation of it because I call it DIM all the time. There you go, it's called Dindolimethane. Dindolimethane. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then. We, we just made ourselves sound really daft. Dindolimethane. So, so Galburns, your views on estrogen management as she's just taken delivery of a tub of dim. In an attempt to address water retention, mood swings, irritability and irregular periods. I've just discovered dim and it's got great reviews, but does it really work? Or would money have been better spent elsewhere, for example? Foods that address these issues slash other supplements. Uh, loving your work as ever. Woohoo. You've supplemented with DIM, haven't you, in the past and stuff? So. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question because I know... And as I can't even pronounce the word, I'm not even going <laughs> well, to attempt to I only ever call it DIM. So <laughs> um, what I would say is uh, there's a lot of companies now offering even like monthly subscriptions of... Um, I first came across it on Charles Poliquin's biosignature where he talks a lot about estrogen dominance, which is essentially what people are taking DIM for. And that's men and women. So mm-hmm. not just hormone issues that she's using it to treat. And um, I've done a few of the, they're like estrogen detoxes that you can do using DIM and um, various things that support the liver as well. So there's a key thing that I'm going to just chat about um, that liver support alongside DIM is really, really important. As a woman, you think that um, the DIM is often sold as something that will give you slimmer legs. We know that when we have excess levels of the hormone estrogen, we tend to store fat around the legs and bum. So I wouldn't sort of buy it under the that sort of, you know, it might help in that area, but it's certainly not going to solve fat storage issues. But that yeah. was how it was first, I suppose I first came across it for that reason. But what I would say is, yes, I absolutely love it. So what happens with um, DIM is basically we have different forms of estrogen in the body. So estrogen is metabolized, something called estradiol, which is the hormone that we, we have naturally. And women have um, healthy levels of that and men should have healthy levels of that. But it can be changed through a series of chemical reactions. If you think about it, when we've got estrogen excess, it's like having estrogen on speed, if that makes sense. (laughs) So like really enhanced symptoms of estrogen. So rather than just having a menstrual cycle, we have a painful menstrual cycle with mood swings, with um, heavy bleeding and, and all sorts of things. What's really important to know about estrogen is also um, if it's converted into something called 16-hydroxy, um, it's 16-hydroxy form, it's then linked to things like hormonal cancers as well because estrogen tends to mean growth in the body. Um, so in women, we can get things like cysts and cystic breasts and fibroids um, and then obviously the hormonal cancers because you're getting tumours developing. 
but same for men, so it increases your risk of things like prostate cancer as well. So if you're um, genetically predisposed, so again, a key issue here would be if it's tracking down the family, because some of us um, have more compromised estrogen metabolism. So we can have, do you remember the SNPs that we've talked about before? Yeah, <laughs> the SNPs are genetic changes or muta- which might make us not very good at estrogen clearing, so getting rid of it out of the body. Mm-hmm. We might have a little bit of a, a technical fault in our liver pathway that deals with that. So then you would definitely want to take DIM if, if things like breast cancer or prostate cancer was running in your family. And if you had things like cystic breasts or you know like any of the hormonal issues that we've just mentioned, then I would definitely recommend it. But it's one of a number of things that I would do. Um, and generally what you can do now, I think the subscriptions are make it a little bit cheaper. Um, in terms of the amount that you take, I recommend the 100 microgram capsules. I've seen recommendations go up to sort of 300 to 400 micrograms for women and for men. Um, and I think it's really, you should work with a practitioner before going too high. But just taking, you know, a couple of hundred micrograms a day going to do any harm. It'll do you more good than anything. But just alongside something like DIM, which is going to aid, what what it does is it basically sort of supports the clearance of estrogen out of the body or into less potent forms. If you, So let's say you're working with someone who's got like estrogen dominance or, you know, uh, as a... Um... Gal put it, estrogen management, so to speak. You know, what would be your five top tips? Okay, so uh, number one is treat the gut. (laughs) Oh, there it is again. Because we can get hormones being recycled through the gut. The gut is where you detoxify everything. So you get rid of, um, I'm going to talk in a second about xenoestrogens. That's chemicals in our environment that will increase the level of estrogen in the body. And the gut is where we would detoxify all these and get rid of them. So if you're Mm -hmm. having a couple of bowel movements a day, that's a really good thing. But if you're not then these things can get recycled back into the body and increase your natural level. So we treat the gut with things like probiotics can be really helpful, making sure the gut's not leaking, making sure bowel movements are happening every day. So because fibre can help bind toxins and can help the bowel move every single day and and get estrogen moved out of the body quicker. So flaxseed is one that's really helpful. Um, But I would just say any fibres like pectin and um, eating lots of fruit and vegetables is also really, really important. And then, so that's number one. Number two would be um, support the liver. So again, if we're talking about detoxification and moving estrogen quickly out of the body, we need to make sure that things like um, we've got optimal levels of B vitamins, lots of phytonutrients in the body. So this is where herbs and spices come in. Antioxidants are really important to support liver detoxification. It's worth noting that if you are taking hormone medication, um, not only is that adding to the situation by putting more hormones in, it also often will deplete a lot of your B vitamins and detox nutrients. I often sort of get people to really reflect on, one, whether they want to continue with that hormone medication and, and speak to their doctor maybe a little bit more about it, or going for topical or bioidentical, even better, mm-hmm. uh, forms of, of hormone medication so it bypasses the liver a little bit so it's not too heavy on the liver. Um, so yeah, so you'd be supporting the gut, supporting the liver. Uh, next, I would say limit xenoestrogen exposure. So these are the chemicals in our environment that act like estrogen in the body, so they mimic estrogen. Um, we spoke about them before and mentioned this is why children are entering puberty a lot younger, um, yeah. which is really scary stuff. Um, a big one is BPA, which is in plastics. So, you know, we're now seeing BPA-free. Um, recently, Chris Cresser did a whole podcast on uh, BPA alternatives. So these new BPA-free plastics, which apparently are even worse xenoestrogens. So um, I wouldn't even really bother with the, the plastics if possible the, the the sort of more hard plastics aren't so bad so you know like some of the shakers that you have like smart shakers yeah. those sorts of things 
In fact, Tupperwares are actually labelled underneath. Do you know what? I'd have to go back and revisit it. But if you have a look online, there's certain numbers which have less levels of xenoestrogens in. But would you say, playing devil's advocate here, that that was as big an issue as, you know, other kind of like dietary changes and and whatnot? Do, Do you not think... Well, that you know kind what? of run the risk, runs the risk of people like maybe to start like overthinking things. Yeah, and... absolutely. And I, I've definitely been guilty of this myself. But what I do think is oh. uh, <laughs> you can... Because xenoestrogens are in food as well. So a lot yeah. of pesticides and fertilisers are uh, xenoestrogens. So going organic is always better or unsprayed or clean 15 in the fruit and veg. Um, it's worthwhile making that effort. And then the other thing is animals are obviously given antibiotics and have chemicals in which are xenoestrogens. So they we, we can't escape them. They're always yeah. going to be there. So if we support the gut and liver, which were the first two points, and take dim, <laughs> then we, we are helping the situation. But what I would say is make simple, easy changes. So in terms of drinking out of a plastic bottle or drinking out of a stainless steel, um, and also it's healthy for the environment, go for the stainless steel yeah. Um what they're called clean canteen yeah that's the it. Ones clean we've canteen. Got. so we've just got clean canteen and then we've got uh, lunch bots which are stainless steel lunch from uh where we're getting little acorns, little acorns website yeah. so these are definitely they look si- really cool as well yeah, they are cool everyone's and they're like, smaller everyone's always like yeah so they're really simple changes and also things like parabens um mm-hmm. so me and you argue about this all the time because i suppose <laughs> i need to just let everyone know that you are quite a girl when it comes to toiletries and personal care stuff i just, I just like to smell nice you just love his deodorant that. and aftershave and under eye cream and i keep showing him the amount of chemicals that are in all of these so what i just say the is, one i bought recently was bulldog that's natural that's good that's good but what you're wearing every day uh, and what you're eating and drinking out of every day i just say just make those free of xenoestrogens where possible and it's an easy step and it's um you know in terms of hair care stuff a lot of places now even in high street stores are saying paraben free so that the brands are coming through now that are getting rid of those the worst culprits as it were and what's that app that tells you yeah so i love um skin deep by ewg will um it lists all products on a scale of one to ten one being amazing and gets a big green star and then ten is like absolutely packed with parabens and gluten and allergens and because there's gluten in some um, hair care and moisturisers and things as well. So always worth becoming a good label reader. But um, yeah, so for me, just things like your moisturiser. If you are going to use aftershaves and stuff, I say spray it on your clothes. Um, not that you do. You say you do, but you don't. Uh, so that's it. I think I've done uh, xenoestrogens, liver detox, gut. Another big one, actually, when we're thinking of estrogen dominance, this is really key. We often will get estrogen dominance because we're progesterone deficient. So sorry this is going on a little bit. I know you're, you're glazing over now. Um, women will often get estrogen dominant because they're progesterone deficient and you will know why this is because you talked about it on Saturday but because there is something called the progesterone steel where um, essentially we can just have um, too high levels of stress and our stress hormone cortisol begins to steal all the cholesterol in the body and it steals it away from progesterone. So we get progesterone deficiency and if you look at, um, there's a great book, The Hormone Cure um, and in there she has this amazing list of the symptoms of when we've got healthy levels of progesterone and it's everything that you want. It's really healthy mood, no water retention, so it's everything that a woman really wants. And then when you've got estrogen excess, it's all the opposite. So it's like foul mood, mood swings, depression, heavy or irregular cycles and um, lots of water retention. So um, actually addressing her stress and sleep could be really, really helpful here as well. But yeah, I do love them and I actually take them. So. There's a place you'd start right there. Yeah. Uh, alongside dim <laughs> dim dolly me <laughs> oh, one other thing I should probably mention she did ask any other supplements um, I would just say things like liver detoxification stuff probiotics 
And I do really like omega-3s when, we, when it comes to hormone health as well. And magnesium, actually, if you are experiencing things like cramps and tension and pain. Fantastic, Al. Right, next one. Moving on. Next question, yeah. Alrighty, this is a good one. So this is from Laura Linden, and uh, she says, talk to me about carbs. Terry Tibbs. <laughs> Terry Tibbs, talk to me. Uh, talk to me about carbs. I'm a serial carb dodger. They make me lethargic. But having recently started lifting weights and doing more resistance training instead of cardio, I'm really struggling with energy levels and getting frustrated with a lack of progress. It's been suggested to me that I need to eat carbs, not the garbage ones, obviously, but I'm not a fan. So I wondered about timings of eating them, i.e. before or after workouts, to maximise my energy without gaining weight or getting too sluggish. Also very interested in the questions, really losing the last bit of stubborn few pounds. But we covered that last week, um, uh, if you want to know about losing the last bit of stubborn body fat, etc., etc. But uh, uh, yeah, so going back to the first part of the question, yes, I can totally relate. Um, seeing no progress, it, it sucks. And, and often with people, that's normally due to the fact that they're, they're not recovering efficiently in order to actually see you know, the, the kind of progressions and the gains that they would like to see. Uh, why are you so scared of carbs? Um, I know you mentioned they make you feel sluggish, but that could potentially be due to the type of carbohydrates you were eating, which I don't know what that was, for example. It does depend on your style of training. So if you if you say you've adopted more kind of like resistance-based training, if it is quite glycogen depleting, then I would certainly recommend getting some carbohydrates in the picture, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. I think the mistake people make is um, there are there is a call for some people to reduce and limit carbohydrate intake during a bit of a fat loss. But in the background, if you are training, chances are you're improving your ability to use carbohydrates, um, improving insulin sensitivity. And so therefore, you can put them in, especially at times like post-workout, because once you've trained, you deplete glycogen, which is stored in the muscles. And what refuels glycogen is glucose. It um, does indeed. Yeah, and same for the liver. So in our liver, we have to re- we, we will deplete glycogen a little bit and we have to replenish it with more glucose. So my favourite choices are things like potatoes, uh, rice, root vegetables, and also a little bit of fruit post-workout. So that's going to replenish. So fructose can help with that. Tiny amounts, like as in a third of your intake, or as to the other... Two thirds should be from glucose. Um, so I would say start to put them in post workout window yeah. first, wouldn't you? Yeah, I hundred percent agree. Um, don't be um, too scared of going. You know, sort of using things like white rice. Often people sort of raise eyebrows when we say that, but actually your need is so great it needs to be quite um, easily absorbable and quite a concentrated source. So um, if you compare sweet potatoes to white rice, actually at that point in time, white rice might serve and just see what happens in terms of progress. I mean, we talked about this, um, a little bit in an interview at the weekend, didn't we, where I said with you, um, with Matt personally, sometimes it's better on high fat, but the minute you throw in training, you have to put the carbs in. Uh, when I mean you're better on high fat, I mean, as in, I think your gut responds better to high fat. Yeah, but to be fair, I think I'm quite fortunate in that I can... I can I can do incredibly well on a high fat diet, yeah. but I can equally do very well with carbs. However, yeah. it's quite easy to eat a lot of them, yeah. and and often I might go a little bit overboard with the carbs. And, <laughs> yeah. and as Keris mentioned, it might just bloat me a little bit. But yeah. you know, like like Keris said, something we we mentioned on a podcast uh, where we actually had a recording with Rue Anderson of Exceed Nutrition, uh, absolutely awesome guy. We're going to be on his podcast soon, um, and, and we were discussing this very very subject, but. You know, to be fair, what works for me will not work for you. You know, we're two very, very different people for obvious reasons. <laughs> I'm, you're female for a start. 
but also you know the our genetics and the nature of our training however what i would say is obviously the key is to find out what works for you that as as you mentioned allows you to recover optimally in order to progress with your training the way you would like to but obviously whilst meeting your your body fat goals and judging by the end bit of your question where you're referring to the last bit of stubborn body fat, clearly you've got a fat loss goal here, which is absolutely fine. Um, and there is no real reason why your training should suffer hugely in order to meet your fat loss goal. I, I, I refer to this last in the last episode that it may suffer a little bit initially um, just through the kind of like the adaptations your body's going through in order to... To, to burn the body fat whilst obviously trying to fuel your energy for a training session. So as Keris mentioned, I would say get your carbohydrates in your post-workout window in order to replenish muscle glycogen that you've used up, you know, in your in your weight sessions, etc. And then maybe start to throw some more carbs into the picture. But of course, it isn't always the case. But certainly most of the time when we work with women, uh, they do respond better to having carbohydrates in their diet. So I wouldn't feel too uncomfortable with maybe adding some carbs into your evening meal as well. Um, I'm not sure it doesn't say what time of the day you do actually train. Uh, whether you are a morning, lunchtime or evening trainee. Um, but I would certainly suggest trying to get some some calms in another meal there as well. When we um, do decrease carbohydrates, you starve the gut bacteria of, of food sometimes. So this is why there's been this sort of, um, this comeback for the, the white potato because um, it contains something called resistant starch, which is basically like a type of, of fibre that can help feed good bacteria. So it can help in gut dysbiosis. Um, generally, low carbohydrate diets are quite low in all, plant-based food so not just starches but you know just fiber generally because you might be cutting out you might have gone as far as carrots and tomatoes you know so what i would say is often if you got results and then they stalled and if anything you're holding on to a bit of body fat i would say you know bring the carbs in and bring in lots of variety of fruit and vegetables not so much too much fruit i always say about two servings a day and take a probiotic maybe as well and um, get some onions and leeks in there to really feed good gut bacteria because one thing i spoke about on saturday was how there are so many studies now linking courses of antibiotics to obesity and um, diabetes which is incredible and they're actually obesity research is now looking at you know stool samples of people that are obese compared to those that are not so why can some people eat what they like and others not Mm -hmm. there is a strong possible strong link back to the gut being investigated so oh they got again Yes. Shows its face. There's a a pattern forming here. Yeah. But also, just to finish off, actually, Laura, you kind of mentioned that you feel lethargic on carbs, yet clearly, obviously, what you're doing right now isn't fueling your workouts because, you know, you've said that you're feeling tired and you're not progressing on your training. So that's food for thought there as well, that clearly what you're doing at the moment isn't quite getting you the results that you want. So is there any harm in in almost pretty much doing the complete opposite? Um, And this is something that Keris and I often do with clients who have been maybe eating a certain way or training a certain way for quite a a period of time and we just literally do a 180 on it don't we yeah you know and if they are relatively low carb we just bump the carbs up six times a week we might reduce their training and to their surprise an increase in carbs and a reduction in training volume they actually see better results yeah and because they recover more and obviously when you recover you're anabolic and and chances are you're you're you'll then start closer towards your goals so that's a bit of food for, for thought for you there laura so i would certainly recommend getting those carbs up plateauing in the gym it's boring it sucks 
and when you're progressing it feels awesome so give that a try um, and if you want any more info on that by, by all means get in touch so Kerry speaking of potato, potatoes am I that predictable um, this ties in with quite well with another question uh, this is from Wendy Clarkson who says I might be missing something so please tell me if I am but what is the deal with potatoes I find it hard to be able to completely avoid but will try harder if they're totally hindering my progress Okay, so you say hindering your progress, uh, progress towards what? Um, I'm going to assume, please forgive me if I'm wrong, that it's a a fat loss goal here. I don't think that they would be hindering your progress unless you are probably in kilos upon kilos (laughs) of white potatoes a day. Um, I love white potatoes, as does Keris. Um, They're they're nice and easy on the gut in my my experience. You know, I digest them quite well compared to say like a, a sweet potato which if I if I eat too many of them it will tend to bloat me but no they're not hindering your progress no you don't need to cut them out completely but I'm sure Keris will now input something <laughs> far more scientific no, than what no, I've just said not really scientific we should probably clarify that white potato recipe is in fair food because at the time of writing it You'd sort of avoid um, white potatoes on the basis that lots of people, they're a nightshade, so some people in terms of immune system, um, like an immune response, don't react too well to them. They didn't offer as many nutrients as a sweet potato. Well, well, I was going to say that for us, that was the big thing, wasn't it? Because even when we did write the book, it wasn't that we thought... Your diet, you eat a potato. White potatoes are (laughs) a complete no-no, because we were still consuming them, but for us... One of the big reasons behind the the book was obviously about getting people healthy, getting people in the kitchen and cooking and... Making healthier choices. Exactly, and nutrient density was a huge, huge part of that. So we wanted people to be able to look at their plate and it just be jam-packed with nutrients. And the simple fact is sweet potatoes are far more nutrient-dense than white, and and that was the reason behind it. I would say, I mean, recently the the potatoes had a comeback. Potato (laughs) revival. So it got shunned during Atkins and Dukan and Paleo, and now... Now it's having a, a, a little bit of a revival because quite a lot of investigation about what I mentioned earlier, which is this fact that potatoes have resistant starch in them, which really feed good gut bacteria. And when they do this, they can help with everything. It's like the list is endless, but from um, blood glucose management. So the real irony of it is diabetics used to be tested using things like, um, you were tested for diabetes with things like white potatoes and see what they did to your blood sugar. Yeah. Whereas now they're saying that once you cook in, um, a potato, and the same for rice, so you cook and cook the rice, but then cool it, something called resistant starch forms during the, the cooling process. And this, again, um, it's resistant to digestion, essentially. So it stays in the gut and feeds the good gut bacteria. Right. So it's helping with everything from thyroid hormone function to uh, glucose management to digestive issues. So um, lots of practitioners are now suggesting that if you haven't got the glucose management to have a potato so in episode 27 we talk about using a glucose monitor mm-hmm. to see what impact a white potato might have on your glucose levels and it just might be too insulin spiking for you so you must add fat to it and try it again and if it still raises your blood glucose too much in terms of using resistant starch therapeutically you use potato flour or, or um, tapioca flour so you use the tiny spoonful teaspoonful instead and, and take it with probiotic so that's how it's being used in terms of um like nutritionally so i would say wendy if you prefer white potatoes and so long as you've got loads of veggies and, and healthy meat and fish on that plate then if that's your choice of starch then then have that 
In fact, we um, when we run plans, we call them carbs of choice because each day we don't specify. It would just take us ages to list out. You know, oh, yeah. today you're having potatoes, tomorrow you're having rice, this day you're having that. So we just have a list of what we call um, carbs of choice, but it gets shortened on the plan to COC. So there's quite a lot of talk on the plan, isn't there, about having your carbs of choice before bed and all sorts. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. I digress. Yeah, so, um, but it's great because my mum, she hates sweet potato and loves white potatoes. So for years I was nagging again, have sweet potato, it's healthy, it's better for your blood glucose. So she's really over the moon about this whole thing that the white potato is back in fashion. Yeah. Um, but what I would say is also just switch between them. So we have new potatoes, we have white potatoes and we have sweet potatoes. Well, we always say though, I mean, it goes with everything, like with your training, with your nutrition, your proteins, your fats, your carbs. Variety is always recommended yeah, by us, you definitely. know. So you've got to rotate your proteins, rotate your fats, rotate your carbs. So yeah. we all love a white potato, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, definitely try and mix it up. And there's certainly no reason why they shouldn't feature. So long as, you know, as well, you know, depending on your goal, it's not completely at odds with that. Because um, as you mentioned at the end, they're totally hindering your progress. So And definitely it, if you can have some cooled. So uh, that's a big argument for cooking and having leftovers for lunch. Yeah. Get the benefits of the, the resistant starch. And to be fair, if you haven't called the next day, mash it in with a tin of fish or something. Nice. But yeah, I was just saying it might just be a case of maybe just reducing your com- consumption of, uh, of white potatoes as opposed to getting rid of them completely. Another question here. This is, uh, this is a cool little question, actually. I think this should be a quick one. In theory, this is from Steve Scordos. Um, I hope I pronounced your surname right, buddy. Can you please explain the difference between sugars found naturally in foods, i.e., I. dairy and fruit, etc.? Which is a really good question because obviously we talk about glucose and fructose, etc., yeah. etc., et and they're found in a lot of foods that we consume on a day to day basis. So, yeah, go for it, Keris. Well, talk to, talk to me. Generally, um, talk to me about sugars. I'm actually going to do a, a series of blogs. I've, I've got a couple written already on this because one about the types of sugars and then the sources of foods. But, yeah, basically, there are um, different types of sugars. So, things like glucose, for example, and then we have fructose, which is primarily found in fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this gets confusing because some fruit contain glucose and fructose. Then we have lactose, which is the sugars found in milk. And then we have sort of more um, complex sugars, which are combinations of those two. Um, sucrose, for example, um, I've got to, I have to think now, it's a combination of different types of sugars. The general takeaway when you're thinking of sugar is that we're quite well adapted to metabolizing glucose. When you think of glucose, you think of things like what we just mentioned, so potatoes and rice and um, you know foods that are broken down to... Uh, Carbohydrates generally are just broken down into glucose. Most people, like our brain runs on glucose, and as long as we've got healthy glucose management, which if we're not doing things like stressing too much, overeating, undereating, um, having too many processed foods, if our hormones are in check, glucose is quite a sort of favoured source of sugar for the body. And there are some people, um, some modern-day hunter-gatherer tribes, which um, I mentioned in my talk, that basically will consume around 70% of their calories from carbohydrates, from glucose. So if you're on 2,000 calories a day, they're consuming 70% of that is from pure carbs, potatoes or rice or um, you know, fruits as well. But, but, but if I'm not mistaken, this the tribe in question uh, that you're speaking about didn't do dairy. No, no, they didn't. So moving on to the, the sugar that's in dairy, lactose, there is this, I mean, it's not an argument, it's actually, it's well observed, is that we don't produce lactase enzymes, which are designed to digest lactose. Yeah. After, I think it's um, 
the age of eight or something like that. So what's come along with that is this big argument that we shouldn't really drink milk in adulthood because we don't, we, or we didn't produce the enzymes to digest it. So it suggests that it's not something that is helpful for us in, in our older years. But this has been refuted because what's happened is our genes will often mutate. If they think something is beneficial, they will adapt. So that's what these SNPs that we mentioned earlier are often mutations because they think that it brought a benefit to us in some yeah. way. So if you live in a hot climate, your body will downregulate its ability, its, its vitamin D receptors, for example because you don't need them, because we're getting loads of sunlight exposure. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. So the thing with the what they've noticed is that there's now um, um, something called lactase persistence has occurred, where actually we're continuing to produce the lactase enzymes into adulthood, which would suggest that the body has recognised there is a benefit to it, and therefore it should persist with it. And there are some modern-day hunter-gatherer tribes um, who actually do drink the milk of animals, um, you know, and are incredibly healthy and have no disease of inflammation and digestive issues um, as well. And it's a big, substantial part of their diet. We were actually tested, if you remember, on DNA diet. They tested if we had lactase persistence, and we didn't. So me and you shouldn't really have lactose, but we've known that anyway. Well, But isn't it true? <laughs> I've accepted it, you haven't. That's, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> isn't it true that if you um, add a flavour to milk, such as chocolate <laughs> no it no oh, right. i must have dreamt that one yeah so um, chocolate yeah. milkshake is fine <laughs> <laughs> so what i would say is the uh, milk sugar generally is something that as kids were designed to take on but in adulthood we it can cause digestive issues in some people um and so it's very much in sort of an experiment see how you get on with it fructose is a bit of a tricky one because in large amounts fructose um will cause issues because it's metabolised by the liver. So it is implicated in things like um, diabetes, adult-onset diabetes and obesity. But often that's because of um, the level of fructose in things like drinks and confectionery. So you know you see labels like glucose fructose syrup on mm-hmm. things. Yeah. That's the that's more of a refined um, sugar that's in too high an amount for our body to deal with. We're used to having... Um, a, a, the, there's a great book on this by Paul Jamine, Perfect Health Diet, and he talks about making fructose about 30% of your carbohydrate intake would be a nice balance, but the 70% should come from glucose, so from rice or starch or things like that. Um, and he actually lists down fruits in terms of which ones have got... Um, the lowest levels of fructose in them and, and a little bit of glucose. So things like berries, for example, um, cantaloupe, melon. A banana has 50% glucose, 50% fructose. Um, just, I think, if you just to keep it simple, keep fruit a couple of times a day, nothing more, and try and avoid, um, you know, those sort of refined yeah. sweets and, and syrups and, and drinks. Drinks are the worst. But even on the fruit, fruit front, you know, like stuff. aiming for things like, uh, you know, like the berries. And, yes. And yeah. whatnot, you know, is, is certainly a better option in terms of getting a lot of bang for your buck on an antioxidant front, minus the surge in blood sugar. Yeah, definitely. And it's worth noting that, again, in the blog, I'm going to cover the sweeteners, like, um, so honey and maple syrup are mainly fructose so again you'd have those in smaller amounts ideally just as a, a you know a, a pleasure food whereas something like rice syrup um, again not that I advocate you have copious amounts but rice syrup is going to be broken down into glucose so um, again that might be a, a, a better sweetener or even just using something like a we use coconut palm sugar but just using a, a proper um, a good organic unrefined cane sugar is probably going to be a healthier choice than huge amounts of, of honey or of or agave, I think it's agave nectar is completely fructose, so I'd avoid that totally as yeah. well. 
And then we recommend things like stevia and xylitol if you are um, not very good with sugar in terms of um, pre-diabetic or, <clears throat> again, just struggling with weight issues or digestive issues as well. But just to uh, like reiterate what you kind of mentioned earlier like with, with, you know, like glucose, lactose, etc., you know, which obviously are in a vast array of foods, um, it is a, a genuine case of, like, you know, assessing what your goal is. And it's a case of trial and error, isn't it? Yeah. To see what works for you, what might irritate you, uh, perspective of like your gut health, bloating, et cetera, et cetera. Because some people are fine with dairy. You know, I, I'm okay with dairy, even dare I say it, you know, poor, poorer choices. I might have the odd dash of milk in a cup of tea when I go and visit my mum or my nan. But if I go overboard, you know, with like cheeses, et cetera, even of the good quality type, it, it affects me. Do you right? know That's a really interesting point because I think sometimes people super optimize their foods like make a cake with stevia or xylitol and think that they could eat copious amounts that's yeah. a really good point and so well you know if it's manchego then it's unpasteurized or whatever then i can eat loads of it and it, it can often like you just said you're, you're reacting to possibly the protein or the sugar so and the amount is still very relevant so yeah that's a great point but cheese is good <laughs> cheese i do like a bit of cheese <laughs> Guys and girls, thank you so much for the questions. A little bit of a shorter one this week, just because things are a little bit crazy since we've got back from Glasgow and back from our travels in Portugal. It's uh, certainly a good old case of the classic uh, since we've been back in London. So, But we'll be back soon enough with episode number 29. Don't you worry about it. As always, guys, please, please, please subscribe to this podcast or better yet, leave a review and a rating, etc., because it, it goes a hell of a long way for us. Uh, so if you do love the podcast, please, please take the time to do that, guys. It will it will mean the absolute world to us. Um, thank you so much to everybody that has, has fully supported us this far. We've now hit over 17,000 likes on Facebook, which, you know, to most people, they might think it's not a very big deal, but to us, it just means it's more people that we're able to help. Um, so yeah please keep spreading the love guys thank you so much for getting in touch with your with your feedback as always please get in touch with any questions we will always try and answer them on here we do strive to get back to everybody on our facebook page just sometimes takes a little bit of time and on that note i'm starving (laughs) me too it's dinner time let's go let's eat Guys, have an awesome day, night, weekend, whatever it may be, whatever time it is that you're listening to this, and we will see you over in episode number 29. Later.